This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. <laughs> As grief has taken up residence in who we are, Megan Smith-Brooks decided her only option is to make friends with grief, since they hang out so much together. She realizes it is a lifetime relationship whether she likes it or not. There is no getting over grief, as our culture seems to want to push us into believing, so we can get back to normal. Megan inspires us to realize instead we must gently move through it, allowing the energy to transform us as we learn to integrate grief into our new self, a better self with a deeper, more empowered capacity for living. Valeria Tellis interviews Megan Smith-Brooks, the author of Unraveling Grief, A Mother's Spiritual Journey of Healing and Discovery. Megan Smith-Brooks helps those impacted by grief, especially from the loss of a child, to experience healing in ways that honor their loved one's life and allows them to find new meaning moving forward. Along with her husband and partner, Michael Brooks, Megan is co-founder and spiritual director of alternative ministry, Unity Awakening Ways. Originally from the Northwest, she is an ordained Unity minister with over 25 years experience as a spiritual educator, having served ministries in Kingston, Washington, Mesa, Arizona, Brea and Pasadena, California, and Cincinnati, Ohio. She is a speaker, retreat facilitator, certified grief coach, and an author based on her personal grief journey after the murder of her 29-year-old son, Justin, in 2013, with a foreword by Marianne Williamson. Using the formula from her book, she offers grief coaching and her Unraveling Grief to Thrive online course that has made a difference in the lives of many by guiding them through healing and transforming grief to ultimately discover how to thrive after loss and live with more meaningful intention. She has also produced two guided meditation CDs for healing and transformation, Meet Megan at unravelinggrief.com and unityawakeningways.org. Here is the interview with Megan Smith-Brooks. In your own words, who is Megan Smith-Brooks? Well, that's an interesting uh, question. Um, I think the evolution of my reality is that right now I am an open, creative, flexible being that is wanting to discover all that life has to offer, including the dark places in grief. With that in mind, I wonder why so many of us try not to go there. We try to push away the dark, the sadness, anything that kind of threatens that place of peace that we have 
build for ourselves. So we try to push away darkness. What is your message doing this at this moment, trying to push away grief and sadness? Well, I think that um, what we don't realize, because we're not taught this, is that grief and sadness is a part of our human experience. It is a part of the full spectrum of life. And so if we're trying to avoid it, we're really avoiding a part of who we are and not realizing that um, all of those losses have something to offer us of value. Do I have the courage to explore what it might be? So talk to me for a moment about love and grief. How would you describe what love is and what is the connection between love and grief? Well, the truth is that we can't grieve if we haven't loved. And, you know, the deeper our love, the deeper we may feel the depth of grief um, is because we have the capacity to love that we grieve. We grieve the the physical um, senses of our relationship with that that we've lost. And we're mourning it because we can't put it back in the same context of what we want to have. You know, we can't hold the person, hear their voice or um, share experiences. And yet um, a part of who they are lives forever within our hearts. So um, it's coming to a new relationship with that that we're, we're mourning. You say something interesting about the idea of understanding grief. You say, I believe to begin healing the emotional impact of grief, we must come to understand it. The first stages of grief, how did you learn to understand grief? On those stages, the first stages of grief, that seems to be the most challenging ones. Well, that's when we're really raw. You know, we're, we're vulnerable, we're, you know, and depending on what the, the source is, it may feel that we've been knocked out of our bodies. So we don't even recognize who we are because grief changes us at the core. We can't be the same person that we were before loss happened. And so we may not be ready to discover what that is, who I'm becoming or, or how it's changed me. But in the very beginning stages, it's really about loving ourselves. Um, nurturing ourselves, caring for ourselves. You know, I think about, you know, in my, my deepest losses, I had to learn to mother myself. What do I need just to um, take care of survival in this moment? And so um, when we're nurturing someone, um, what am I feeding myself? Is it wholesome food? Because food is energy. And so um, it takes a lot of energy to grieve. So I need something to support my body. Am I resting my body? Is going to fatigue me? So do I give myself permission to do that? Am I, you know, just listening to what my needs are and then having the courage to ask for it? That's what we do in the beginning. We don't have to figure out anything yet. So it sounds very basic, actually, in common sense, right, Megan? Oh, yeah. And surrounding yourself with people that are good listeners, that will care for you, not try to fix you. Um, because that's, you know, that's when somebody is uncomfortable with someone else's grief um, because they haven't dealt with their own pain and loss. We try to push it out of the way and, and move somebody quickly through it. And that doesn't serve anyone. So who are the good listeners? Who are the nurturers that you can just say, this is what I need. Help, you know, just enfold me in your love right now. Wow, I love that insight. That is so true. So the more uncomfortable we are with other people's pain, it's because we have not really understood our own pain. Going back to the idea of self-care, 
Do you see a difference between self-love and self-care or they are somewhat the same to you? You know, the truth is, I think that they are interrelated because if we don't love ourselves enough, we're not going to care for ourselves very well, are we? So if I haven't, you know, if I've been pushing away that I'm worthy, um, if I don't think that I deserve to be loved, then I'm going to put myself less. Now, women do that really well. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, yeah, it's like unfortunately. We put everyone else first. <laughs> so and true. I had to learn that um, <laughs> I deserve to put myself first. Um, it's just like in the airplane when they say, you know, put your ex oxygen mask on first before you help another. It's the same thing um, in life. It's like I have to put myself first. What do I need so that I eventually maybe can offer something of value to others? Mm, so true. And you're right. Women, we do that naturally, trying to help others before we help ourselves. I mean, I need to work on that still. Boundaries. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, it's really, it's about having the courage to talk about what's going on with me. When somebody asks you, how are you, which we, we tend to do because we don't know what else to say to people, um, how often do we say, oh, I'm fine, but really inside, internally, I'm going, I'm in pain, I'm a mess, I don't know what I'm doing with myself, um, I really don't even want to talk about it. Um, do I have the courage to say what's up for me? And so talking about grief is, how we bring it into our conversations so that it's acceptable to talk about pain and loss and sadness and realize that it's a part of the spectrum of living. And if I'm denying myself the conversation of what I'm mourning, then I'm denying a part of who I am. So going back to the, uh, the relationship between grief and love, I have two quotes from your book. One in which you say, grief is our deepest reminder and most profound teacher of the value of loving we can ever experience. You wrote that. And then you also quoted somebody else, Jamie Anderson, said, grief is really just love. It is all the love you want to give, but you cannot. All of that unspent love gathers up in the corners of your eyes, the lump in your throat, and the hollow part of your chest. Grief is just love with no place to go. That's incredibly beautiful and profound. Isn't uh, it? Yeah, so true. You know, I just have to take a deep breath and, and a sigh, and it's like, do I open myself up into the, the deep, you know, abyss of, of my heart to just feel what sadness is offering me and to be give myself permission to let the tears flow you know it's like how often do we try to restrict that it's like we're apologize for it <laughs> yeah <laughs> like and yet it's so healing to just allow the flow because it's cleansing it's 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 letting that energy go and it reminds us of um, what a gift this capacity for loving is do I allow myself to really feel that Talk to me for a moment about what healing is and what are some of the misconceptions about healing? Well, I think the biggest misconception is that healing is about um, finding a fix to cure whatever seems to be broken, whatever seems to be um, not the way we want it. You know, whether it's a physical health situation, a mental health situation, or a relationship, whatever it might be. And so what you know, from a spiritual context, what I've come to understand healing really is about aligning with our wholeness. 
And what is it that's going to support us? Because healing just, um, when we look, when we say I need to be healed, it's because I recognize something is out of alignment. Something isn't working the way that I want it. I'm not feeling the way that I want to. So it's not that um, I'm broken, really. It's just that I'm out of alignment. So what do I need to do to bring me back to that place of wholeness? And it may not be in um, fixing what we perceive the issue is. Right. I love that too, because I do tend to um, say that, that we are whole. There's nothing. We already healed and whole. But there's that feeling of being broken. That's interesting, especially when we are grieving. Yeah, that's especially true. The feeling of being broken, it really, it's really strong and it seems real. Yeah, beautiful message. I love that. Realigning yeah, with wholeness. Well, right? and, and when we're grieving and we're feeling that depth of pain that we don't know what to do with, our first you know, response is to get rid of it so that I can feel okay. And yet, it's still going to be there. It's going to undermine us. It's going to sabotage us in perhaps times when we don't want it to because I haven't given it attention. I haven't acknowledged it. And so when I'm willing to move into uh, my healing, I open up my whole mind, body, heart, soul experience to having the courage to say, what do I need? What will support me the most right now? And the, the work you do, it really comes across as spiritual. Everything you say, it's as spiritual as it can get. So talk to me for a moment about the connection between grief and spirituality and the healing journey and the spiritual journey. Are they somewhat connected to and one and the same? Well, I believe they are. You know, if grief is a part of our human experience, one that nobody escapes, um, that we can't avoid, then it has something of value to offer us. And, it, and so therefore, it is a part of our spiritual journey. You know, our spirituality, I believe, is um, coming to, to alignment um, and awakening to our own divine nature and, um, and to living it from that place rather than comparing it to everything in our human experience. And so grief is a profound teacher. And Actually, if you don't mind, I'd like to read a piece from my book where I talk about, because I was asking the question, what is grief? If I'm having this experience, why is it relevant? What's it doing to me? And I had this insight that I said, my experience is that grief slowly creeps into every part of us. It infiltrates our thoughts and our feelings. It seeps into our emotions and it crawls into our hearts. It finds its way into the cells of our body and it takes over how it functions. It finds its way into every aspect of our lives, our relationships, how we respond to the world around us, our behaviors, our perception of life on every level. And so in time, we can't even recognize ourselves as grief has taken up residence in who we are. So what I decided is that we need to make friends with grief. If it's, if it's becoming a part of who I am, if it's taking up residence, it's not about getting rid of it. It's about finding the place that it serves us. And that has to be a spiritual journey. It has to be a process of becoming something more than I ever realized I ever could be. You never tried to escape grief, right, Megan? Did you try? Did you attempt to do that? Or Well, I think that, you know, because I was always practicing, you know, for my own spiritual education and, and the foundation that I had is to be willing to pay attention to what I'm feeling and notice it rather than avoid it. 
And so I started to recognize that it is calling for me to um, perhaps understand something about myself that I may never have taken the time to know otherwise. And that it's never going to go away. It's about, it's a new relationship with a part of myself that grief will always be a part of. And so I continue to learn from it. It continues to offer value if I pay attention to it. Do you still feel that grief is still teaching you something at this point in your life? Or it has taught you everything that it could teach <laughs> Well, you know, I think, you know, our human minds, we think, okay, learn something, done, that's it, I move forward now. And that's not really realistic um, what life is about. And we don't just have one loss, right? I mean, the murder of my son was was horrendous. But, you know, even in the last year, I've had some profound loss. I have a sister that took her life by suicide. It affected my mother to where her dementia then took a deep dive. And now, um, actually, this very week, I just today talked to a hospice nurse as my mother um, has lost her cognitive functioning and is going to be put on hospice and probably her life will be ending soon. And so there's this continuous process of realizing that loss is a part of life. And am I going to allow it to break me? Or am I going to continue to allow it to just be a part of my life experience and always be asking the question, what can it offer me? What am I learning? What do I need? And then just take the time to process it as it shows up. It's an ongoing experience. So yes, it continues to be our teacher. Can we somehow prepare for losing someone we love, Megan? Or oh, this is something that it's impossible to do? I think that we... Um, take ourselves out of the moment of life experience if we try to plan for something that hasn't happened yet. And, you know, life happens suddenly, you know, the, the circumstances, um, tragic, unexpected things can happen that you can never prepare yourself for. But we can build our foundation. You know, as to me, I look, it's like building a spiritual foundation so that I, I'm more adaptable, I'm more flexible. It's like the bamboo that, you know, when the heavy winds come, it can, it can flow so that it's not uprooted. So if I'm doing my work now to build the foundation and realize that I can't plan everything that's going to happen, um, but there are circumstances, like for instance, I know my mother is probably on the journey towards the end of her life. And many people have had to walk that, that place, especially in a, um, a terminal situation with a family member. And so what happens is we start to second guess, we're, you know, that they're going to leave. And so we start planning the leaving and yet we, we miss the moment. They're still here. I still have this connection with them. So let's not jump ahead. Um, so if we're not aware that we're doing that, then we don't notice that's what's happening. So it's kind of finding that balance, you know, with, with life and what happens and, um, what's relevant and what's meaningful. And uh, my last warm-up question for you is about freedom. What is to be free? What is to be liberated from your perspective? Well, you know, my personal email is flying free now. So yeah. <laughs> I, really, yeah. I, do, I totally believe that um, freedom is when, when I can remember to breathe, you know, and take a deep breath. And that's what I talk about in my book. One of the first steps in, in grief is, is to breathe. When we're in pain, when we're 
um, processing things that we were confused about, we tend to breathe shallow. And so we're not breathing in all the oxygen we need. So freedom is, I think, giving ourselves permission to boldly move forward in life and embrace whatever it is that it throws us, knowing that it has something of value and I will use it to thrive no matter what. So you wrote the book, Unraveling Grief, A Mother's Spiritual Journey of Healing and Discovery. Talk to me about the main intention of writing your book. Well, you know, it's based on my story of my 29-year-old son who was murdered through an intentional act of violence. And though at the time that he died, um, I was a spiritual leader. Um, I was teaching spirituality. I had a foundation, but it's very different um, supporting others than dealing with your own impact. And so I had to practice what I teach and really just be raw and vulnerable. And my first um, experience is that I was knocked out of my body and I, I, didn't even, um, I didn't even know if I was functioning. It's like I was watching my life as a movie and only doing what I had to to get by, that I was so numb with the pain of how do I accept something my mind doesn't want to accept. Um, and so what I wanted to do is, you know, after years, I realized I need to share this journey with others to understand the value of grief, um, what we can learn from it, but um, how we can move through it and not let it destroy us. Um, what is something useful that I could offer others that offers a benefit, um, some tools and practices that they can use to process this land of grief and realize this journey is a profound and empowering part of our human experience. Wow, there are so many tools, messages, and insights in your book that they are just incredibly heart-opening and mind-opening, too. Thank you, Megan, for doing that. You're welcome. In your book, you talk a lot about acceptance, forgiveness, and gratitude as tools. So talk to me about your own experience with acceptance and forgiveness. You know, I think that part of the process of grief is that initially our mind doesn't want to accept the reality that's what's happened. And yet in the physical, you can't put the pieces back to be the way we want it. Even though it's been eight and a half years since my son died, I still have moments where I have this internal scream where I just, I want to hug him. I want to see his face. I want to hear his voice, you know, and I, and I'm angry that his potential was taken from him. And yet I have to take a breath and go back to what do I have control over now? I have control over how I respond to something I don't want to accept. And so if I can come to a place of acceptance, I can begin to move forward and explore what this is offering me. Yeah. Question about maybe the same question about acceptance and forgiveness. If that is a practice, but they are practices or an understanding in time, a moment in time. Well, I think they can be both really. Um, but having an awareness of acceptance is because I can notice then, am I resisting something? Am I, you know, refusing to, um, or trying to control the outcome of something because fear is driving me from that, or, um, I don't know how I'm going to move forward. I mean, of course we don't always know how am I going to manage? There's so many variables that can affect our life. Um, not just emotionally, but mentally, socially, culturally, biologically, um, philosophically, 
um, or the aspects of grief, because like I mentioned it, it touches all aspects of our life. And forgiveness is a huge piece of that, especially self-forgiveness, because we have a tendency to go, you know, the, the shoulda, coulda, woulda thing of um, second guessing, you know, if I'd done that, then that. Well, it doesn't serve a purpose because you can't change the outcome, especially when it's the outcome was death. And so, um, you know, in my situation, because my son was murdered, forgiveness was a huge part of my healing process. I understand from a spiritual perspective, if everything is energy, then my holding on to unforgiveness is something that affects me more than it does the person that I may feel like I can't forgive. And so forgiving those that were responsible for my son's life was freeing me from being burdened by that energy so I could move on. It does not remove them from being accountable for their actions. And that's a separate thing. So forgiveness and acceptance, they can happen. They are practices, but at the same time, they are this, it can happen in the moment in time of awareness, of spiritual awareness, I would say. Yes. What is like to work with you, Megan, as a grief coach? Do clients meet you online, offline? Yeah, how does it work? I primarily work with people online so that I can um, meet with anybody from anywhere without limitation. Um, I, I like that um, modality. And um, it's interesting that as I started to do this before the pandemic, um, it's become more often um, the way people are connecting now and, it, and it's a safe way of doing it. But I like to be able to see people and their body language and their facial expressions Coaching is, a, is different than counseling in that it's not a therapeutic process, but it's, I am a sounding board. Um, and so what I'm doing is offering the way through a challenge that may be provoking. It may be challenging someone to go where they don't want to, but in a way that offers them some practical um, exercises, tools, and activities where they can start to move forward in new ways. And so ultimately grief coaching starts with the pain and the real raw, fragile place that someone may be in and, and talking about it, but coming to understand it, what am I resisting and what's holding me back? So then I can see something of value. And we start with an exercise I call feel the heal, um, where we have to go deep into feeling the pain. And I, I take them through literally regurgitating it all. It's like, we want to throw it all up on ourselves and, and get it out because then I can start to shift to the place of honoring the qualities that I admire of the love that I mourn. And that reminds me of my capacity to love and that how I live moving forward now honors the love that I, that I miss. And so I can use that then to start looking at life from a new perspective. So I lead people into what I call literally learning to live their own living legacy. How am I living moving forward that's going to be offering more value to not only myself, the world around me, but to those that I might leave behind me someday? So you are also the um, co-founder and the uh, spiritual director of Alternative Ministry, Unity Awakening Ways. You offer an online course titled Unraveling Grief to Thrive. And you also have guided uh, meditation CDs, uh, so many tools you offer to help others. 
That's beautiful. I mean, I keep saying beauty, <laughs> seeing beauty <laughs> in everything you do and, and how you do it. In your book, you talk about something else that caught my attention was the, the victim consciousness. How do we learn to recognize the signs of that? Awareness is a big thing. And so am I aware of what I'm thinking and where do I spend my time thinking? Do I think that something has happened to me, that the world um, isn't fair, um, that I've been violated? Whatever the story is we tell ourselves, if I'm living in that place, then I'm living as if, if I'm a victim to the world. And that is a hopeless place to be. How do you climb out of that one? And so what I, I coach people is like to notice if I have thoughts that something has been done to me. And can I shift it to say, I have a choice in this moment. What do I want the outcome to be? Now, of course, my outcome might be that I want my son to not be dead. Um, so I can't change that. But what do I have control over? So I begin to focus on what do I want to create? What do I want to be intentional about? Let those be the thoughts that are creating something. So then I call it a shift to survival consciousness and that I'm creating a way of living that I can thrive from rather than keeping me in the pit. In your book, you also have a beautiful poem on the divine light. That's such a beautiful poem. I'll be asking you to, um, if you want to, of course, to read a passage in your book. That would be wonderful if you could read that the poem. The one from the introduction? Yeah, I love that poem, Megan. Um, yeah, it's by Dr. Siddhar Tongia, and I probably have mispronounced his name. <laughs> but, um, you know, a poem on divine light, and I think that it, when we can resonate with something, um, when we begin to feel the energy and the vibration of who we are, it can be the catalyst for healing and transformation, which is what we're looking for in the midst of healing from any form of pain. And so it's the divine light is showered on all us to dispel negative thoughts, not to curse, apathy, anger, hate, lie, ego, and guilt. All are washed away for grace to be built. The divine charismatic light impinges, impinges to heal disease, disorder, disaster, and miserable feel, all truth, light, nectar, restore inner bliss, as divine light sparks soul crisscross. Divine light propelling truth, love, has to kindle from one soul to another, from them to mingle, far spread of wave of life and divinity, understanding human to God relation in, rela in reality. The divine light encourages all soul humanity for growth, grace, and glory via spirituality. Aspire to become from human to superhuman when divine blessing is overhead to sustain. Uh, I also love the song you have there. It's called Precious Child by Karen Taylor Good. That's a beautiful song. The lyrics are incredibly profound. Well, and, you know, you can Google that. Um, it is in the public domain. And um, she sent that recording to me. Um, I knew her personally when she heard about my son. And I still, to this day, every time I hear the words and, and, the, and just the beautiful music, it, you know, brings tears to my eyes because it, it reminds us of how precious everything is. You know, in every relationship, and our capacity to love they still are living within us. We never lose 
those precious memories and the feelings of that love. That is the ultimate gift that um, we are reminded of in the process of healing grief. Yeah, yes, a billion times to that, yes. We're almost at the end. I do have a few more questions for you, the ending questions. Would you like to add anything or read another passage in your book? What I have to offer is to inspire everyone to have the courage to embrace grief, the pain of loss, as it happens in life, no matter what the source, to ask yourself the question, what does it have to offer me? What can I learn from you, grief? And how do I move forward so that it can enhance who I am, so I can be a better representation of who I am? That's what I want people to understand. And if I can be a catalyst for that, if I can be a support for that and the tools that I offer people, then I'm serving a purpose. And it's also my way of honoring my son and my deep relationship that I still have with him. You know, he was a presence with me as I wrote my book. And for whatever reason, perhaps his life purpose was to be this catalyst through me to support others. Thank you so much for allowing that universe of spiritual love to flow through you with so much clarity, incredible clarity. Uh, it's beautiful. Thank you. I appreciate your time. And, and actually, I do want to share one small quote from Khalil Gibran that I had in the introduction to remind us that when you are sorrowful, look again in your heart and you shall see that in truth you are weeping for that which has been your delight. Thank you for the wisdom shared in, in every way. Yeah, the quotes, the songs, everything you share in your book is just it's supportive of that journey, the healing journey of grief. And uh, my last questions are, the first one is, what is another word for healing? Love. You know, if we can truly love ourselves, not from an emotional place, but from recognizing that love is my true nature. And love allows me to realign with my wholeness and my true self. Uh, my last question is, what are three things about life you wish everyone to experience before they lose the body? Oh, wow. That is profound. To breathe, to be courageous, and to just allow yourself to be free to express the beautiful, radiant self that you are. Thank you so much again, Megan, for your presence, your wisdom, in uh, the light that you are to all of us. Inspiration, inspirational light, inspirational everything. <laughs> Going back to wholeness, you represent that wholeness. Thank you. Thank you. I, I appreciate this time to, to chat with you. And before we say goodbye, where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects? Well, my book is available on Amazon.com. You can just put in Unraveling Grief. It's available in paperback and Kindle version. I'm working on an audio version as well. My website um, for my grief healing services, um, you can just do unravelinggrief.com. And it will link you to all the other things that you might discover about me. I'm here to serve. You can also email me at unravelinggrief at gmail.com if you have any questions or want to explore ways to work with me. Thank you again, Megan. We'll talk soon. Bye for now. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Megan Smith Brooks and her work, 
please visit unravelinggrief.com and unityawakeningways.org. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.